Reflecting Jesus in our spirit, in our mind, and in our body. And when I think of a workshop, I immediately go to what Jeff calls my girl cave. And it's pretty cool. I mean, he's let me basically take over this room. And I've got like this work table. And I have all my sewing machines. And I filled up the closet with all sorts of scraps of cool things. And it's got craft supplies. I mean, it really is a girl cave. I have um, threads. Okay, and this is how OCD I am about my my sewing room. I have my my threads all done in the color spectrum. So I have all my whites, and they blend into the yellows, and then into the greens, and then into the blues, and then into the purples, and then into red. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty OCD that way. But I find that it makes it really easy to find the thread that I want, right? So anyway, and I must have 100 100, 200 threads. It's crazy. But anyway, the reason why you have a workshop is so that you can have all the things you need available to you to get your project done. Amen? So a workshop like this and like the other ones that will be following this is so that we give you the tools to get your project done. Okay, in this case, our project is reflecting Jesus in our bodies, in our minds, and in our spirit. So let's pray before we get started. Oh, Heavenly Father, I am so blessed to be here, and Lord, I want to be used by you. I want you to truly be reflected in my life as I teach this workshop Lord, I want the ladies to truly understand what it is to reflect you in these areas so that when they go home, they are truly reflecting you in all aspects of their lives, not just their spirit, but in their mind and in their bodies. And so be with us, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. The body. Now, our body is the easiest thing to understand because it's what we see, right? Everything physical is our body. So that's our hair, that's my hands, that's my my dark blue nails. It's everything. This is my body. It's the part of me that doesn't last forever, and I have really been seeing that in the last few years. But, you know, it's all part of God's plan, so it's all good. Because you know what? God didn't make our body to last forever. Then we have our mind. Now, our mind is also called our soul. But it's also our will, our emotions, it's the part where we think and we feel, it's where we plan, organize, it's what gets hyper-focused or what completely goes off on random thoughts like I have a tendency to do. Our soul is what feels joy, our soul perceives hurts from others, our souls can be energized. It really is who we are as a person. It's who God created you to be. And it is in our soul that we become anxious or we can live in peace. Now, when we aren't reflecting Jesus, guess what you are? You're feeling anxious when you have peace. That is the peace of God that is working through you. Then lastly, we have the spirit. Now, we are created as spiritual beings. It is our spirit that the, it is our spirit that the spirit of God comes to reside in us when we receive Christ as our personal savior. When that happens our spirit comes to life. It's like the light bulb goes on. And I remember that in myself. 
when I was 16 years old, up until that point, I could read the word of God and it meant nothing to me. And this is something that was raised in the church. And so one day I'm reading the word of God and that light bulb just went on. That was when the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit spoke on, onto my spirit and my spirit became alive. So the Bible teaches that we have that Holy Spirit now living in us, helping us live holy lives. And 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So all together, spirit, soul, and body, when we put that together, that is who you are. That is who I am. It is the whole package. It is our spirit and our soul that is immortal, though. And, of course, our bodies are not because that's the way God has created us. In the meantime, as believers, we are in that process of renewing our minds and transforming our souls so that they line up more and more with Jesus. That's what he has designed us to do. And he gives us the Holy Spirit in order to accomplish this. He doesn't make you do this on your own. And the only way to do that is to surrender to Jesus. And his word is a big part of that because Jesus is the word and the word is made flesh. So when we look to the word, we find out who this Jesus guy is and we get to know him more and more. So we need to put effort into learning about Jesus through his word. And when we have done that, the rest of that change to becoming more like him, reflecting him, becomes more and more apparent. Because if your spirit is in the right place, if your spirit is where God wants it to be, then everything else begins to fall into place. So reflecting Jesus in your spirit. And speaking of the Jews, or even any non-believer for that matter, let's look at what the verses said before our theme verse. And first, excuse me, 2 Corinthians three fourteen through 18. He says, but the people's minds were hardened. Our hearts, my heart was hardened. To this day, whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they cannot understand the truth. That's exactly where I was before I received Christ. I didn't understand the truth. I could read the word, and it meant nothing, and my heart was hardened towards it. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with that veil. They do not understand but whenever someone turns to the Lord, here it comes, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So when we turn to the Lord, or in other words, receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior... Now the blinders have come off. We understand. The Holy Spirit is now in us because we have believed. First, the Holy Spirit said, this is true. I remember that very distinctly. I'm reading the word of God. I don't understand it at first. And then suddenly, it was the Spirit of God says, this is true. And I went, whoa. Wow, that's amazing. 
And at that point, I believed. That's when the Holy Spirit came in and began to do that transformation work. So once our once dead spirit is alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. So our spirit can now have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. But what does that look like on a practical level? You know, some of these things, they look great, and you're going, okay, I, I, I understand, and I love what Christy's been saying, but hey, let's, you know, what does that really look like? I want this. How do you walk in the Spirit? How do you surrender to the Spirit? Galatians 5, 16 through 18 gives us uh, that exact it says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil. We naturally want to do evil, don't we? That's our flesh. When it is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. You see where this is going? These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Of course, that good intentions, they're not talking about good intentions. It's just what you, you're just doing what comes naturally. So you see the directive there? It says, let the Holy Spirit guide you. Sometimes I feel like it really is that little angel sitting on my shoulder and the little devil sitting here, and they're, they're arguing back and forth, and it's whoever you give in to is the one that you do. In this case, you have the Holy Spirit sitting on your shoulder telling you, do this, and you've got your flesh on this side going, oh, but it's so much fun. I want to do that. See, when we say yes to the Holy Spirit, that's what it means to be walking in the Spirit. There are three simple ways to help you walk in the Spirit, and they are found in Psalms 1830, and I love this. It says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. So the first step here is understand that God knows best. We don't. He's the boss. We're not. Uh, last year, I was cracking up at our speaker. She kept saying, Jesus is the boss. We need to really drum this into our heads because he really is the boss. Whether we like it or not, he's the boss. And we should like it because he always knows what's best, right? So God is all-knowing. He knows the future, and he created you, so he knows exactly what you need. He knows how to minister to your heart. And because of that knowledge... He knows what's best for you in the long run. Something may seem right at the moment, but God knows best in the future. How many times can you recall in your, in your life where you think this is the path that you want to take, and God just kind of says, he slams the door and says, no, I don't want you going that direction, and you don't understand why? Later on, you go, oh, that is why that door was closed. See, because he knows the future. He knows what's best for you. Step two, God's word is proven. I can't press that enough. Head knowledge of the Bible is good, but we need to let it transfer from our head into our heart. We need to really let it affect our heart and our mind so that we can have victory. We must put that knowledge into practice if we're going to be led by the Spirit. 
And God's Spirit is going to lead you to do what is in his word. He will never contradict you there. He won't tell you to do something that is opposed to his word. He doesn't do that. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 tells us, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. Ouch, I don't like to be corrected. And teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Of course, there may be times when you're not going to like that correction, just like I hate that. It's like, oh, I have to change that, Lord? I don't want to, you know, and I throw a little tantrum. And God says, aren't you cute? Do what I say, you know. Um, But that's part of that spirit-led life. A victorious Christian is one who walks daily with the Holy Spirit and obeys him. And I love that the Holy Spirit is so quiet and so soft-spoken. You know, the enemy, what is he? He's like a bullhorn, right? He's going, quack, quack, you know, and you're going, that's all you can hear is the bullhorn. But the Spirit of God is very gentle, saying, I love you. I want you to do what I say because I know it's best for you. I don't want you to go down that path. Please don't do it. But you're listening to the quack, quack, you know. So always listen for that still, quiet voice. Step three, trust in God who is trustworthy. He is trustworthy because he has your best interest in mind. The key to walking daily in the spirit is to trust him with all your heart. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. We know these verses. And lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. He shall direct your paths. He shall direct it. Doesn't say you can choose, you know, if you want to. No, he says he will direct your path. That is the key to walking in the spirit. That is the key to trusting him. Don't rely on your own understanding because, you know what, we're emotional, aren't we, ladies? You know, I'm always cracking up. One day it'll be a total big deal. The next day it's like, what was I all worked up about yesterday? I have no idea. That's just who we are. And this is, this is not just a gal thing. This is guys and girls. You know, it's just what we do. Sometimes they're big deals. Sometimes they're not. So reflecting God's spirit and our spirit is done by understanding these three principles. God knows best. We can trust him. God's word is essential. Do what it says and get to know your heavenly father. You can't get to know him if you're not reading his word. Whenever I am struggling in my my walk with the Lord, if ever I'm becoming a little downcast or I'm getting anxious, you know what? I go right to the Gospels and I fall in love with Jesus all over again. That's important. Find out who your Savior is because we forget. We do forget. So a healthy spirit-filled life keeps your mind or soul from faltering. And that takes us to our next step, reflecting Jesus in our mind. Now, this is where things get a little tricky. See, now that our spirit's squared away, we received Christ, the Holy Spirit is now living in us, there's this war going on between the spirit and the flesh. Now, the flesh is a combination of our mind and our body. So, we must be careful not to look at the world for our confirmation and our guidelines, 
Romans 12.2 tells us, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So conformed simply means to behave according to the socially acceptable standards of this world. Ooh, ouch. Don't we do that a lot? Well, you know, I'm better than her. I mean, look at her. Look what she's doing. Look how she's dressing. Look what, you know, where she's going at night. You know, we have a tendency to do that. No, our standard is the Lord. And then we're to be transformed to make a thorough or dramatic change in form, appearance, or character. That's what happens. When we receive Christ, that transformation process begins. And it's a long process. It's going to go on until the day you die and go to be with him. It is a long process. But we need to make sure that process is going. This is what is expected when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, that we will let the Holy Spirit begin to change us because he is living inside us. Now, you might be saying, well, that's all well and good, but what does this mean, again, in the practical level? Well, one of the hardest things for the Christian to do in this world is not to look at what the world does and copy it. Because we are constantly inundated by all this garbage. Remember, our brains, our minds, are a computer. Jeff calls this his meat computer. I think that sounds gross to me, but, you know, okay, this is a meat computer. It's whatever we put in, guess what? It stays. I have got images in my mind that I wish I could erase. I'm I'm sure, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you have those things yourself. I mean, I wish I could, I go, Lord, just erase that from my mind. And you know what he always says? It's there to remind you never to go down that road again. And I go, point taken. Um, Because, you know, I'm a little hard-headed, so I need to be reminded as to why God allows things in my life. And it's because I'm stubborn. Now, for example, we are constantly bombarded with TV shows that completely go against what the word of God says. Can I get an agreement there, right? Yay, man. Okay, they show little clips of them on commercials, and you're going, oh, that sounds like so much fun. Okay, I am so stepping on some toes right now. But, okay, I mean, look at it. These shows are called reality shows, okay? Reality means the world or the state of things as they actually exist. Now, does that actually exist? No, no, but they're very entertaining, aren't they? I would say any, these shows are anything but reality, but we are drawn to them like a moth to the flame. At this time, you're probably thinking, hey, you know, don't judge me. I like to watch them, and I'm not. I'm just saying, you know what? Garbage in, garbage out, ladies. Um, <laughs> but what is the harm? Wait, there's more. I once had a lady that tried to tell me that watching Lucifer was, wasn't a big deal. Okay, now she went on to say, it's all in fun. After all, he's so cute. And she went on to describe how the, he had all these honorable attributes and such. But is it all in fun? What's the harm of watching a carnal show on television? I mean, I just need to decompress. I mean, come on, don't judge me, man. And, 
You know, I point to 1 John 2, 15 through 16. It says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. So let's look at this again. It first says, do not love the world. Is it talking about people? Of course not. We're supposed to love everybody in the world. It's talking about the world's systems and enticements. Therefore, when you open the door of your mind to entertain these things, which go against the word of God, you set yourself up for failure. You're letting the enemy get his foot in the door. How? You might be saying, well, let's look at our reality shows. Most of them are based on sex and relationship, aren't they? You know, who's sleeping with whom? Let's get real here. That's what they're talking about. That makes us compare our marriages. It makes us compare our families, everything, with what we're seeing on TV. It makes us discontent. It's like, you know what? My husband doesn't look that good in a bathing suit. (laughs) Right? I mean, you know what they do is they go out and they try to find the absolutely best-looking guy they could possibly get to plaster him on the TV only to entice you. You can see the enemy. He's infiltrated this whole system because it does distract us. We look at it and we're going, oh, wow, he's really cute. And then you look at your husband and you're going... Well, you know, after 45 years of marriage, you know, you used to be used to have it going on, but I'm sorry, you know. I mean, really? Isn't that what, see, that's how we set ourselves up. We have, between Jeff and I, we have counseled so many couples where they just have this inflated sense of what it should be from what they see on television. And you try to tell them, this is not real life. These are non-reality shows, lady, not reality. Nothing like that really goes on in the world, and it gives us a false impression. But we're feeding it into our brains, feeding it into our brains. Remember, garbage in, garbage out. Be careful because that kind of thinking will make you dissatisfied with your life. You think you deserve more. You want more. That's what it means to be enticed by the world. In our Lucifer show, think of when you're reading the word and you hear mentioned about what the enemy of our soul does. And you've been watching this show and you're going, wow, Lucifer is pretty cute though. No, he is an angel of light but he is evil. Uh, This one gal tried to tell me, well, you know, he only punishes the bad guys. And that makes him a good guy. And I'm going, how does that work? But anyway, you see how it just twists everything around? The enemy is very, very good at what he does because he's been doing it for 6,000 years. Of course he's going to be good. You know, he knows exactly what buttons to push. So I'm just telling you what can happen if you are not listening to the Holy Spirit when he tells you to 
Change the channel. It's very easy. Why is it so hard? Chink. Just change the channel. We have a lot of great shows. If you need to decompress, like I've heard some say, well, I just watch it to decompress because it's fun. Well, watch Fixer Upper. Come on. <laughs> right? So, yes, I can hear an amen over there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there are things on TV that you can watch if you want to decompress. Me, I watch the Dodgers. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> Um, I love it, and I'm really excited, even though we're only getting, you know, spring training. But you know what? I'll even watch those because, you know, I love baseball. I love the Dodgers. So you're probably thinking, but this is too hard. You know, I'm watching these shows, and I can't look away. I get it. I've been caught. I'm going, wow, I cannot believe I'm seeing this on TV. But am I changing it? No, I'm just saying, wow, I can't believe I'm seeing this on TV. (laughs) All right. 1 Corinthians 10.13, what does that tell us? The temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. We all experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. I mean, seriously, clink, that's pretty easy. But he will leave Oh, I mean, I have seen the Lord do so many things. Suddenly, you know, I'm, I'm getting, you know, I'm in a trance and I'm watching something I shouldn't be watching. What is like my lab, my yellow lab? She'll come up and she sticks her nose right in my face and I go, oh, wow, what was that? And then I'm going, oh, thank you, girl. What a good girl. She's my angel. That's what I call her. Because, you know, she will kind of like, it's like the Lord sends her over to, to bump me and say, okay, you shouldn't be watching that. And I'm going, oh, wow, sorry, Lord, you're right. I mean, I shouldn't be watching this. And we have, we've got uh, uh, strict guidelines, restrictions on our TV, you know, nothing above an R rating and that kind of thing. And still, you can't depend on what you're watching because it can get pretty sick. <clears throat> but you need to look for that way out. And don't let your mind be filled up with garbage because if you fill it up with garbage, you don't have enough room for the good stuff. It just gets drowned out. But what does that look like? Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, this is what we need to be filling our heads with. Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. These do, and the God of peace will be with you. Trust me when I say that garbage brains do not bring peace in your life. It only brings turmoil. But you know what the glory of it is? If you just say, God, I'm sorry, I want to put only good things in my mind, he goes, well done, let's get started. It's a simple step. Now, a good way to find out if you are on the right track is to check your thoughts with Scripture. How does it match up to Scripture? If you have a a viewpoint and you look at the Word of God and it doesn't agree, you should be going, hmm, maybe I should change it. Or would you be embarrassed if Jesus was sitting on the couch with you? Ooh, right? Or sitting in the movie theater with you? and you're watching a scene that you shouldn't be watching, 
If Jesus was sitting next to you, would you feel a little uncomfortable? I know I would. I'd be going, oh, uh, you don't want to see this, God, you know. (laughs) Right, right? Let's be honest with ourselves. If you don't want Jesus watching it with you, don't be watching it. Because guess what? The Holy Spirit's in you. Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. He is God. He is Jesus. So what he sees, God sees, Jesus sees. Keep that in mind. Next is the body. Reflecting Jesus with our body. How do we do that? Well, the Holy Spirit is now coexisting with our spirit, guiding and directing. Our job, of course, is to listen. And instead of putting garbage in our mind, we should be putting in good stuff. Our body, like it or not, is simply acting out what is going on in your noggin. Romans 8. 5 through 7 tells us, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Did you hear that? Hostile? I go, I'm not hostile to God. Well, sometimes we are. So we're saying, God, I don't want your way. I want to do it my way. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. So to summarize this, if we live to please our minds, we live to please our bodies. But if we live to set our minds on being like Jesus, we have life in peace. That's the promise. Isn't that amazing? And our bodies will reflect that. You will be able to control your fleshly appetites. However, on a practical level, how do we reflect Jesus with our bodies? Now, God's word calls us ambassadors for Jesus Christ. I love that. I'm an ambassador. You are ambassadors. That means you're a representative of the king of the universe. And we need to act like it, ladies, Everything we do and say is a representation of, of God. It is a representation of Jesus Christ. I, uh, I grew up with that acronym, WWJD. Most of you remember it. Some of you youngsters may not, but it was a big deal. I don't know, 20 years ago, something like that. But it was, what would Jesus do? And I know it's very cliche, but I tell you what, it was hard to always think about what would Jesus do in this case. And, of course, you always know the answer to it. You read about him in the Old Testament. You read his uh, word in the New Testament. You listen, you know, listen to uh, what the, is being said in the epistles, all that, and you're going, wow, this Jesus guy, that's a tough act to follow. But you know what? We're called to be like him. Of course, he gives you the ability, and it really takes surrender However, it is a really good standard to live by, amen? We want to reflect Jesus in everything we do, everything. There are no little areas where we can kind of hide him in the closet because, you know what, he always seems to dig in the closet. And he knows, he goes, "Uh, Connie, you have a little, you know, I used to have a cat. I don't know why this popped in my head. Years and years ago, I had a cat, and she got locked in my closet one day, and 
she had to go potty. And I had this beautiful red pair of pumps. And she did her business right in the shoe. And I'm going, really, cat? But you know what? That's just to say we all have things in our closets that we don't want the Lord to deal with. Now, I had to clean that out because it was making my whole closet smell like cat poo. So this is important, you know, so I'm having to clean that out. How many times do we have something in our closet which is stinking up our whole wardrobe because it's poo? Think about that one, you know? We don't like to deal with those kind of things, do we? It's like, but you know what? This is, this is my identity, you know? I want to hang on to my bitterness. I need this unforgiveness. It defines who I am. It makes me strong. That's a bunch of malarkey. It really is. It doesn't make you strong. It actually weakens you because the spirit can't, can't do anything with that. If we want to hang on to sin, he's having to fight. He's having to fight with you for control of that. So clean out your closets. We are children of God, and Jesus is our Savior. And we, should be, we must be concerned about what we are showing the world about our Savior. So what is the payoff? You're going, wow, this sounds really, really hard. And I get it. It is really, really hard. It is a battle that we fight from the moment we receive Christ to the day we die. But there is so much payoff, trust me. The whole thing does sound difficult, But a blessing beyond imagine is what the Lord promises us. Isaiah 28.3 tells us, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Who doesn't want peace? Isn't that what we all long for? We want peace. I want peace more than anything in my life. I want the love of the Father and I want peace. And they're intertwined. So let's recap what we've uh, start, we studied here. Sorry, stumbling. I think I, I had, okay, here's confession time. I, because I got up at 4.30, I have a Nespresso in my room that I brought from home. Now, it makes these little espressos. Espresso, excuse me. I said espresso. That's like a faux pas. But espresso in my room. I had four. I am still bouncing off the walls. Sorry. <laughs> So I feel like I'm talking so fast. But okay, I'll try to. I've only drank water since then. Okay, so let's recap on what we have studied. We are made of three parts. Spirit, mind, and body. Our spirit came alive when we believed in Jesus. And at that time, the blinders or the veil was removed. Our mind now begins the process of being transformed into the image of Christ. That progress, uh, the progress of that transformation depends on how much we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. I think of it as like two animals. If you feed one more than the other, which one's going to be stronger? The one you feed the most. So if we are feeding our flesh more than our spirit, What do you think is going to win? The flesh. Absolutely. See, our body is the representation 
of which one is being fed the most? The spirit or the flesh, the mind. But don't be discouraged. By this time, in preparing this study, I was getting like, oh, Lord, I am such a wretched person. It's like half the time, uh, most of the time, when I'm studying for for, uh, a teaching, it's like I'm being just filled up with, wow, you know, Lord, you're so good, and I'm so wicked. You know, so I'm going, oh, man, Lord. And I'm going, I've got to give these ladies something a little more encouraging than this. Everything sounds so convincing, but it's so hard to accomplish. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to act more like Jesus. I want to have that discipline to turn off a show or stop reading a book, but I don't. It seems like there is a constant battle between my old nature and my new life in Christ. That's what we all go through. None of us are immune to it. We all have the problem. Paul, the writer of of much of the New Testament, struggled with this very thing. And I take great comfort in reading what he wrote in Romans 7, 15 through 25. And it's a lot, but it's so worth reading. He says, I really don't understand myself. For I want to do what's right. I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. We sin. We don't turn off that TV. But if I know that I am doing what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin. In other words, the original sin inherited from Adam living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is true. Nothing good lives in me apart from what God is doing in my life. He says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle in life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Now, this is Paul here. Keep that in mind. Paul. I mean, he's like super saint. He probably had a cape. Okay? (laughs) I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And he answers his own question, thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Does anybody else relate to Paul here? I mean, we should all relate to what Paul is saying here because this is something we all struggle with. But what is the answer? Jesus, he will free us from this life dominated by sin. He promises to do that work. He promises to complete that work in us. And then until the day we go home to be with him. Will we blow it? Of course, all the time. We blow it all the time. But with God, he loves us so much that he says, you know what? Just ask forgiveness and I will forget the sin completely. As far as the east is to the west, I have forgotten their sin. Isn't that wonderful? Our, clay, our, our slate is completely clean. And now I know a lot of this has been kind of difficult and I probably have stepped on a few toes, especially with the, you know, with our reality shows and things because I know they're popular. But be careful. 
You need to be told that these things aren't good for us. Because if you don't know that it's against God's word, then you won't change it. And if you don't change it, you don't have that relationship with Jesus that he wants to have with you so that you can reflect him. I will send you out with this wonderful scripture that I hope will encourage and strengthen your resolve to completely surrender to Jesus in all aspects of your life. And it is found in Ephesians 2. And I'm going to read this whole thing, verses 1 through 10. You can turn there if you would like. But it says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, I was dead because of my disobedience. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, remember that, but God is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our, of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that, he view, that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead among, along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ. So God can point, us, point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace. I love that. Incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Amen to that. But God who is rich in mercy... God who is rich in grace. That is the God we serve. And this is the God that we should reflect. Because this is a message that needs to go out to the rest of the world. Our world is dying. There is so much heartache in the world today. They need to see that in us. They need to see that there is hope. They need to see that our lives are real and that we are truly reflecting Jesus Christ in our lives. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, there's so much to take from this, this workshop, so many things to ponder. I would ask that your Holy Spirit just speaks into the lives of each one of us, myself included, all the things which you want to do a work in, Lord. And I love that you are so gracious and you are so gentle and that you will just do it in such a way that some of us really don't realize what's going on, but all we know is our life is becoming fuller as we surrender to you. And what a wonderful promise that is, Lord. So I just ask that each one of these ladies is able to truly grasp 
what your spirit is saying. So we love you, Lord. We thank you. Help us to reflect you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.